Hi, I'm Sandy Mackey. And I'm Al Curtis. And you are listening to Conversations with Ask the Pool Guy and Ask the Pool Girl. that are happening in the industry and in particular with our team and company within the industry. So first, let's just say it's July. So happy 4th of July weekend, happy Independence Day. Hopefully everybody's Survived the fourth, it's now the fifth. Taken some time yeah. to appreciate um, the way we've become accustomed to living and running our businesses. And hopefully we find that sense returning to post this round meet one our COVID expectations, uh, yes. COVID yes, life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump in right there just with an industry-wide phenomenon that I have been witnessing and really noticing maybe more so than anybody else in our company because I also deal a lot with the ordering of things and facilitating timelines. So we in Michigan were unable to start our season as we normally would because normally as soon as the weather breaks in March, April, and then well into May, we're like already well on our way in service, renovation, and construction projects. And then this year with the COVID situation, we got a little bit of a start once the weather finally broke and then everything came to a screeching halt as it did for many industries and many, many people throughout the world, not only Michigan, but particularly, um, I'd like to explain what's happened with us. So we went back to work then, beginning of May, when it was outdoor work was okay, things like that. And in the interim, a lot of the manufacturers also had to shut down or take various degrees of slowdown precautions and that type of thing. So the demand that would normally happen kind of starting in March and into April was nobody could address it because really you weren't supposed to be doing that type of work, getting supplies, even stopping at a store to pick up supplies and things that you needed was almost impossible at that time. So the demand kind of backed up a little bit. And then once things here in Michigan reopened in May, then it was you know kind of crazy trying to get caught up with everything and again there were still some shortages of different things and some slowdowns well fast forward to july and we are now seeing not only that demand that kind of got backed up most of that got taken care of but now that people are staying at their homes much more people are investing the money that they would have spent on sporting events, on trips, on vacations, on really anything else, 
they're putting a lot more into their home. So the demand for everything pool related has gone sky high, including new pool inquiries. And along with, so this slightly backed up demand, the demand skyrockets. Remember all those manufacturers that were shut down for a while or not operating at their capacity? Well, not only did they not produce what they normally would have during that time, the demand backed up and they weren't able to keep up with supply. So we have major supply chain interruptions. They started to trickle in in some areas like pool heaters was one of the first things. Um, and then like the panic buying of above ground swimming pools started. And now we're in the vinyl liner slash components for building pools. Everything is, the supply chain just cannot keep up with what the normal demand would have been, let alone this added demand on top of it. So I, I that's on the Just on that note side. too, it, it almost feels like for whatever reason, just by them producing more is not solving the problem. It's like it, it in the manufacturing end of things, it broke somehow. So mm -hmm. that the, the ordering part doesn't match with the manufacturing part, which doesn't match with the shipping part. And we yeah. would think these would all be normal things that once you're, mm -hmm. you're stopped and once you get started again, you follow the same process. Right. And now it almost feels like someone mm -hmm. taking an order has no idea what to do with the order and has no idea where to put it. And it doesn't get manufactured, doesn't get, right. doesn't get put into the system. Well, How many things, haven't gotten in queue. Okay, we're all set. We should be paid for. Yeah. And then, well, we don't even know where this order, what this order is. So supply chain, because a lot of the supply chain, like logistics, delivering of product, that was interrupted. So you interrupt not only the outgoing product once it's finished and it's made, but you interrupt the raw material supply chain going in, and then you back up demand, and then you multiply demand and then you continue to have logistics challenges. And you have that, those broken pieces in there just compound the problem. So yeah, I do believe that we in the pool industry were feeling this in some sense. There's been a lot of products that haven't been available that you can make adjustments for, but there are some products that you cannot substitute. And if you cannot get them, then that will be slower. And I've read, we're not the only industry affected for sure. sure there's going to be i think the a similar phenomenon but as the products have been more readily available in the first place because their industries are larger like the building materials industry i know there will be also some supply chain issues with different components there but you can go to any home depot and try to find your home improvement supplies you cannot go to any home depot and find your swimming pool, pool specific, specific supplies so well i think that's where because there's such a massive demand now on the construction end i'm really hesitant to just go and sell more projects i mean look at what we have a backlog just unbelievable amounts of people that want our product and I'm not entirely sure that we'll be would be able to even get components. Right. I know one person in particular that I'm thinking of, another pool guy, is talking about not being able to get pool kits. He's got a bunch of on-liner pools to build, and he can't get pool kits. I don't know why, haven't asked, other than they're not showing up. Well, let's let's move into that. So people were panic buying 
swimming pools, above ground swimming pools off of the back of semi trucks. Yes, in, in a lot of areas, we haven't experienced this personally. That's not what we focus on. But I know in some of the more southern um, climates, definitely that has been happening. What has been happening with us is in the last month and a half, so probably mid-May, when things finally started opening back up through the month of June, and here we are at the beginning of July, we, and, and our marketing, like it's really great all the time, and we've had plenty of leads coming in up until this point, but middle of May, it's like the, the faucet got turned on full blast and it hasn't stopped. So the number of pool leads coming in, people who want a swimming pool in their backyard is staggeringly off the charts. Like we are fielding so many more phone calls. Not only that, the budgets are larger say, the budgets went way up than as well. mm -hmm. they would have been before. So obviously if you followed us for a while, you know that we screen our calls anyway and we're very specific about the work that we're able to do because we're a small boutique company and we choose the, a certain style of project. So of the phone calls that come in, Galena is the one who typically fields all the initial inquiries and it, she has a list of people to refer people to in the event that they're not looking for what we offer. And I can only imagine that every single one of the people on our list is already booked solid and at capacity and the phone calls continue coming in and the budgets you know, before maybe one out of every five phone calls would have had even the budget that would qualify for the legendary experience, which is a more all-encompassing experience with a lot, a lot going on in the backyard. So maybe one out of five calls would have had the budget threshold. And we're finding one out of- Like 50% one out of two. Two, one out of three calls has what the budget threshold used to be. Although with all of these supply chain issues, supply and demand, what happens when supply is lower, demand is higher, obviously pricing for all the raw materials we get will go up as well as the logistics challenges and everything else. And ultimately the budgets will have to be larger just to get the same work done. Mm -hmm. But then add on top of that, the specialized demand and We've just, we've got this amazing opportunity to choose to do some of the best work that we've ever done coming up. And that's exciting. The other side of that though, is having to tell a lot of wonderful people, I don't think we'll be able to help you. And that is something that will continue kind of working through and helping to explain things and uh, you know, it just, there's a lot of people that I would like to help and you would like mm -hmm. to help and we'd like to be able to work with and yet we know that isn't going to be entirely possible. So that's just, that's, that's our world right now yeah. where we are. There's this urge. I think a lot of people would feel that same urge when there's a greater number of phone calls coming in to just scale the business, to just try to get more, to try to do more work. And I know an awful lot of people would do that. Well, let's just put an additional truck or two or five or 10 on the road. And I don't feel that at all. I'm, I'm really hesitant to just 
grow that. Because of our specialized business, if we were doing something that was very standard and you could just add the same thing to the mix, maybe easier. But I'm finding it really interesting how I'm resisting just wanting to get more work. I mean, we've already been in that trend for a long time. We've become very choosy. And this is an opportunity for us to stay choosy and be even more choosy, right. which is really interesting because the people that I talk to in the industry are all about getting more, yeah. more, more, more. There's more leads, so there's more jobs. Well, you could think that. So we couldn't work for a significant time. portion of our normal spring. So if a pool business in Michigan has about six months to get to make all of their money for the year, like a quarter of what we normally would have done, we couldn't do simply because of the lockdown. And then the next quarter is also impacted because everybody that you should have been able to help in the first quarter then gets switched to the second quarter where you already had work planned so you have to do double the work to get even caught up to kind of where you would have been anyway. And then the demand goes crazy. So somebody could say, oh, well, that's great. You should be able to make up all that revenue or all of that um, that you would have had. But then we have supply chain issues and then we'll have manpower challenges Labor because mm -hmm. just because we have more business and more demand, like we were already functioning at maximum capacity. We can't have our people do double what they would have done before, no matter how much they or we might be willing to give it a shot. That's just not possible. And then the specialized knowledge, you can't just go hire, hire someone, right? a new person and expect that they'll know how to plumb a system or form a pad, like just in general in a construction way, let alone in the way that we do things. So this is, a challenge. Interesting times. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the, the biggest challenge is what to do with what we're, we've been given. We have the work that we have, which would have been enough for us to, for the year anyway. But now we have this opportunity, and I'm fighting the urge to just try to take more. And you get people into contracts and all of that. That's not how we operate. Uh, and then we do have that, in, that issue of the specialized knowledge that we require our people to need, we can't just hire out of, you know, on social media, we can't just put out a call and get those special people. Yeah. We certainly need the right people, but they have to fit the culture. That's they a big, that's a, that's culture, a, that's a, that's they a huge have to part. They the knowledge, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. have to be willing. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. So anyone else challenged with these same types of things, don't make rash decisions. Don't make quick decisions to take more, I don't think. Although, Just think it through. Right. Figure it out. So we've talked from time to time, and if you followed us for a while, you know that Al and I have talked about the opportunities that we've had before about people liking the way that we do things. They like both the construction side and the service model that we have. So we've talked about a franchise or licensing people or training people how to do things in our way and as this demand surges I know that we'll likely be doing more thinking about that but when I looked on what day Thursday or Friday I compiled the list of all of our leads that have come in strictly for new swimming pool builds in this last month and a half and I took the number of leads and then I figured out 
um, kind of what the dollar amounts were and things like that. We do have a unique opportunity right now that with the leads that we're getting in of which next year, like this year, maybe we'll build one more pool next year, maybe four, maybe five, depending on the size and scale and scope, because of course, the bigger the project, the more that takes our resources to get that built. So with what we won't take just naturally, if there is a swimming pool construction or service for that matter, franchise that is waiting to move into Michigan, you know, we have enough leads that we could out of the gate could fund four or five pool companies make sure mm -hmm. that yeah four or five pool companies could mm -hmm. come into the market and as long as they had the specialized people in the system and the knowledge they could deploy immediately on these leads that we have and be able to make something happen so i'm throwing that out there just in case you know that's one Somebody of the ideas had. i had because there are so many people that there's not enough pool companies in our area to handle them. And we aren't going to put an additional crew on the road. That's just not our sweet spot, nor would it be smart. But for somebody who that could be their sweet spot, developing a large construction there's, there's or service infrastructure mm -hmm. just to get on the road and get running, you know, that would be that What, would be what I think is kind of unique about our market, and, and maybe it's not as unique as it would seem, but we don't have a real deep field of subcontractors to go to. Right. There's a lot of markets where if you're doing tiling coping and, and you've got a job, you could you could shop it to mm -hmm. 30 different contractors that would do tiling coping or pool plastering. There might be 30 mm -hmm. pool company, 30 plaster companies out there or yeah. you know anything or basic vinyl liner pool installs. There's companies that do mass quantities and of that's those. the way that a lot of pools in the bigger markets where they do the volume that's how a lot of them are built mm -hmm. you've got like our company does everything start to finish but there are a lot of companies that would have a different crew for subcontracted mm -hmm. crew do each element excavation tying steel shooting gunite doing the plaster doing the finishes doing plumbing so I do believe regionally, you know, there's a lot of nuances mm -hmm. in the industry. Well, and that's where we find in our industry, there's just, not, or in our market here, there's just not a lot of those sub-components. Right. Where, and a big part of why we brought it all in-house was that very reason. There was no control. There was, you couldn't just have your one tile guy. You, you tried to keep your one tile guy, but there were 12 companies trying to compete for his time. And if you get pushed down the list, you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. Well, in other markets where there's, again, a large quantity of those people that can do that type of specialized work, you can sort of keep moving and keep right. it going. And that's what we're finding why it's so difficult to just scale up here. And maybe it's the same thing everywhere, but it's what I do know about this market is without the go-to people, uh, even excavators. Uh, there's a very few excavators in our market that specialize sw simply in swimming pools. So just to scale up and build more pools now, who do you get to dig those pools? Yeah. yeah again, why we went internal, we dig all of our own stuff and we take <laughs> care of everything. Uh, and that's, that's what adds to the element with not just with our company, but with all of our companies in the market here is it's just not as easy as it would seem to just scale up.
There's just not the ability to bring more work. And that's why even having a list of people that we can't do the work for, where do we send them? When every company is currently probably at capacity or close. Right. And another interesting phenomenon, which has happened in our industry, which we've all seen, us old guys who've been around this a long time, is there's not fresh new faces start up, starting up in the construction end. We have a lot of aging companies that are really good companies. They've been around for a long, long time, but there's just not that fresh blood. There's just, unfortunately, not enough 20-somethings saying, I wanna start my own business and this is what I wanna do. If we could attract those people. There's an absolute ton of money for some young kid that could get his head right mm -hmm. and wanna go out and work and find a couple of his buddies that were willing to get down and, and dirty and work yes. some 80 hour weeks. There's yeah. a ton of money to be made. It's very difficult. And that's why we're seeing, it's a whole nother deal now. I mean, getting beyond the original topic is what happens to our companies as we age out of them. And in past years, it was easy. It was passed on to children. It was, there was always this sort of attrition, this ability to pass on. Right. And we're seeing less and less of that. Well, the pool industry, and I know like Mike Rowe does a lot of advocacy for tradespeople and whether it's electricians or plumbers and things like that. The pool industry is, it's hard work, yet it's rewarding work, but you have to have the right combination of attributes to do it. You've got to be physically able, you have to be mentally capable you have to have some knowledge of technical aspects. So, I mean, you use everything. You have to be able to communicate if you're going to be a good one, which is maybe something we've seen in the, in the aging segment of the mm -hmm. industry. You've got a lot of blue collar pool people who don't necessarily have the communication finesse that also that I think will continue mm -hmm. to be important. So. The young people, like there aren't the young people to turn to, there I think is this vacuum of, I mean, who who raised that generation? You and I raised the generation mm -hmm. of, of individuals that we need choosing this work. And well, your kids and my kids both work in the industry. They figured it out, right? But when you put them side by side with their peers, their peers are not choosing this type of life, this type of lifestyle or this type of work. It's kind of an anomaly for a young person now to be choosing this as their career path. Two things come to mind for me. First off, yes, you have to be physical and able to do that. But I think even more importantly that you have to have the work mindset. More than, ever, more than anything, the person who isn't physically as strong or isn't whatever, if they have the mindset, you can, figure you, out you can a find way a way through it. Through it. Yeah. I mean, there, that's a massive part of this. Physicality is a part of what we do, right. but it's mindset is a stronger thing. Secondly, here's a trend that I've noticed, and even, even our children having been in this with us for quite a while, it's still not the same. I, I look at, and when I talk about a young person, a young kid, guy or girl, doesn't matter, who could absolutely kick but in this industry, the, the mindset that, they, that even our kids don't have is you do everything and anything you do to get it accomplished. Right. So when I, different generation, but when I cut my teeth in this, it was you worked until you were done. 
you work seven days a week if that's what it took. We have six months yeah. to make a year's worth of wages and to figure that out. And I know for me, we did lots of 70, 80 hour weeks, back to back to back to back, mm -hmm. six and seven days. And, and the, you know, it, it was just what it was. And that's, it's that mentality that the young ones, even our kids included, while they're yeah. all hard workers, awesome. the idea of working much more than 45 way. hours a week is, you know, like that's cutting into the, the lifetime, which I get it, well, but it's different. So I guess they've seen they've seen us work. I know you work seven days a week. I know I don't do the same type of work you do, but I'm perfectly Added happy to days. work mm -hmm. on what I have to work on every day of the week. And I don't know where that um, that mindset would have come from because your kids, my kids, their friends, you know, they kind of would have seen this happen. Yet I don't know where that expectation of like 40 hours and then we're done and we leave work at work. That's the other thing in the pool industry. Mm -hmm. You don't leave work at work. Even if you want to, if you are in charge of aspects of it, you are thinking about it morning, noon, night, you're waking up from a dead sleep, thinking about how to orchestrate something or make something happen. And not that you have to want that to be in this industry, but I don't know that the next generation of young people have have that you don't need it capacity. to be in this yeah. but to thrive in this industry right. you do right. and i think that's a big difference there's uh, we've we've been seeing it in trends for a long time that that the younger generation values their personal time more whatever that means i mean that, that if you if you get into the psychological yeah. thing of it there's all kinds of terms you could use i didn't know any different other than you worked, you had obligations and you took care of them and you just did what you needed to do. So we build a style of life rather than lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I could equate working in the pool industry in the same way. Being in the pool industry, it's a life or a style, style of, of life. life. It's a style of work life, mm -hmm. not just something that supports a lifestyle. That's, a, that's a well put. That's a... Mm -hmm significant difference mm -hmm. i think from other lines of work that you could choose but it's also that style of life to be in this industry and participate is one thing but then like you said to thrive in it you have to be wholeheartedly subscribed to that which you know i started in the pool industry thinking i was going to run a retail store which i did for a while and then that changed and I worked in the field for a while, opening and closing pools and doing basic service, which not my strength. Was I capable? capable yes. yes. Mm -hmm. um, was it as effortless as it should have been on anybody's part, mine or yours, when I couldn't figure out how to get a single heater started on any pool openings? Like if it did, it was like super exciting. but. I didn't want to figure out how a heater works at that time. I mm -hmm. since, of course, have absorbed a lot more knowledge than I ever thought I'd have in that. But I was willing to do that, and I have always been willing to work my life into this style of work life that I have. And I very much appreciate that, and I don't 
I don't even wish that it was any other way because this is perfect for me. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a life any different because it just, it sort of just works into who and what I am. And, and it doesn't matter if I've got to run out at, you know, eight o'clock at night, if something's required, it just is a normal thing. Yeah. There's not a shut off button at five o'clock where you go, okay, now I'm going to, I, I can't even fathom what the, what I'm going to go do then. Yeah. It's just, but, it, it's been a forever thing. And, and on that token though, like you don't have to schedule necessarily being able to stop somewhere and take care of something that you need to mm -hmm. that's outside of like work because you just fit it in wherever while it needs to fit. While you're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is my 30, I don't know, fourth year or something doing this. And even back then, the first six or seven or eight years, I wasn't in charge. I was simply working for somebody. And, but, but it didn't matter. Somehow it got into me, it was in me. Yeah. And once it got in me, it was not gonna let me go. And I remember doing those crazy amounts of hours and crazy amount of time and, and then getting up the next morning and doing it again for another 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. And some of those were the hottest summers on record and we, you know, it was, it was insane. But, but it certainly has helped me thrive in the industry. It's helped, I gained massive amounts of knowledge. I think I put my 10,000 hours in very quickly in terms of mastering something. Well, I think that's a big piece of it too. I had wanted to mention that to you the other day we were discussing 10,000 hours and I think you had referred to it in me painting. And we used to talk about 10,000 hours and I had no frame of reference for what that was. But since we know that the Pentair salt cells last for 10,000 hours, I've done many calculations with many different customer systems to figure out how long is it, it going last. to be until mm -hmm. that 10,000 hours happens. So for some of our customers, it's um, two seasons and one month of them running their system. So I wanted to mention that I now have a, a very frame. clear frame of reference of how long 10,000 hours is because I've had to do the math on salt generating systems. So, the, so those of you that may, if there's any of you that don't understand what we're talking about the 10,000 hours, there's uh, an author and a book. Is it Malcolm Gladwell? Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. What he determined and through his research and maybe the research comes from someone else, I don't know, but that it takes about 10,000 hours to master something. So if you want to become a really good guitar player, 10,000 hours. If you want to become a really good, you name it, 10,000 hours. That's just yeah. the, the amount of time that it takes, the, the human experience, and you can bring all the talent to the world to it and, and go a lot faster, but the Artists, average person, sports, the average, it's about 10,000 hours to, to master really something. master it so that it's, it's part of your physiology. It's like yeah. networked right into your brain. And the pool business is no, no different. I mean, it, it takes some time. There's so many things to get thrown at you and it's a constant, especially if you're in something evolving like we are, that we've been in, in perpetual startup almost, that well, we're always changing and evolving into something cool. Which is why some people cool. love it. Some people sure. would love to, so the subcontract world of our industry, there are some pool people that all they ever do is dig the hole or all they ever do is tie steel. Is tie mm -hmm. the seal. They don't even necessarily shoot the they, No, guy. they don't. They don't even see it. And for some people, that could be the epitome of, this is great, I know exactly what I'm going to do every day for the rest of my life. And that could be health for someone else. But yeah, the reason mm -hmm. I think a lot of people 
that thrive in the Michigan pool industry thrive because every day, every element is different, mm -hmm. even if you've done it before. And that's also a style of life, a style of work choice that is very attractive to some people. Mm -hmm. Well, if we kind of switch into other industries and a block layer spends their entire life laying block and they get some satisfaction in how straight and level, how true, how quick, and you know, they, they have a framework they work on, work by, mm -hmm. but that's their entire life. That's their right. lifestyle, is that they're, every day that's what they know they're gonna do. Or a stonemason or a brick layer, they know that exact same thing. And to some people that's perfect because it gives them a frame of yeah. when I start work and then when I go home. Because you think about it, if that's what you do every day, you don't have to go home and at eight o'clock at night, think about how you're gonna lay the next block. It's just inherently in what you've done the last yeah. 3,000 times. Uh, whereas in our case, it's not any one job. It's all encompassing, it's every piece. It's every cool little nuance and especially the more creative stuff. We get to a level of competency and, and most pools are competently good. We go beyond that though, because then it becomes artistic. So now you have to take out, out your competent ability to make something functional and to code and now you have to take that and bring it to a whole nother add universe innovation figure out how to make something new add artistic art color and right. texture and feel so and it is something that you know today maybe you do some tile tomorrow you figure out concrete. how to carve something and make water come out of something mm -hmm. and yeah it's a whole mm -hmm. whole bunch of well and that goes to style of life and if someone's attracted to that, this is a great industry for that. Yeah. Again, the challenge is separating yourself up so that, out the, so that you don't have to compartmentalize and shut down at five o'clock and then start thinking about it at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things that you're, like you said, middle of the night, you're waking up trying to figure out how exactly am I gonna make this thing hang from up here and what am I gonna do? Yeah. And it's just different. And there's a, a sense of ownership mentality that needs to come with it. Whether somebody on our team um, is an owner of the company or not is irrelevant because certain people take ownership of certain concepts or of certain aspects of projects. And I think that's also how you can measure if somebody is really in it, if they are taking ownership of developing this cave or this grotto or this concept or this idea and they like insist on being a part of that and it it's so important to them to contribute to it and have it turn out a certain way um that's something because that you won't necessarily get mm -hmm. if you're the bricklayer or a mm -hmm. house painter you know sure i'm gonna go i'm gonna paint i'm gonna do a fantastic job but then there's a level beyond where it becomes like your work product becomes much more personal and it becomes who you are yeah you know, it, it, it's what you do or it's who you are. And I think that there's a, a level where all of us, it, it's, it's what we do for a while, yeah. but then there's some well, the, that kind of transpire into that. And it's the flip from lifestyle, the style of life thing. And you sort of transform into it becomes who you are as a human being. That's so my relationship with our pools and our clients is different than yours because mm -hmm. I am not the person who's putting the materials on site and putting them together. But as you say that, 
the pools, because of my business side of things and attracting the clients and doing the marketing and it's, it's everybody doing it, yet I feel personally responsible for the pools that we build. So those are my work product in a sense, whether or not I physically put the things there. I feel very responsible. You put the components in place to make sure that I feel sure very responsible for the projects mm -hmm. that we've built and the, the clients that we work As with. As you should, because you're an integral part. Without that part, my part doesn't even exist. So whether you're doing my part or not doesn't matter because without you, I don't even have a part. So, you know, and there's a real reality to that. It doesn't work the other way around though. My part doesn't translate into your part, but yours directly relates into mine. So it's as, it's as much yours as it is mine. Your part is not my part, but my part is your part because of the, you know, I'm, I'm at the tail end, you're at the beginning. And I mean, you're obviously through the whole thing, but in yeah, terms of attracting yeah. and, and the business end and all of that, without without it. that, I can't do what I do. I haven't but, thought about it that way before. But you can do what you do without me. Right. It's just that I, I can't do without you. Yeah. And so there, you have to look at that way and your ownership is through all of it. Mine is absolutely once we're there and we're we're getting in it, we're getting, we're on it, I, that's, that's when my part becomes so important. You know, well, my ownership is through all of it. My ownership is also like over everybody on the team, whether mm -hmm. it's service or construction or answering the telephone, like all of that. I don't, I don't know if I'm trying to advocate for people joining the industry or I'm just having all these ahas, but yeah, like I am not only responsible for the clients we're working with and the pools that we're building, but I'm also responsible in my mind for every member of our team, no matter what it is that they're doing. And for all the clients that we've worked for, True. because that still falls into your plate, that unless there's something specific that falls into my part of a repair or something, uh, yours kind of covers all of that. It yeah. covers the moving forward with the client in terms of future maintenance, future service, future work with for them. So yours encompasses all of it. Mine is very specific. Hmm. It's kind of staggering as I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it really is. Well, you make it look easy, so in case you wanted to know. Well, thanks. I thought of something the other day. Okay. In all the years we've sat in marketing groups and we've done all these different classes and all these masterminds and things, and I started chuckling to myself the other day when I thought of this, is that through all of them, all of them, people have always said, yeah, well, if only I had a Sandy. Never once have they said, <laughs> if only I had an L. Never. Think of how many hundreds of people have said, well, of course I could do that if, if I only had a Sandy. Well, shoot. Not Just once. imagine what I could do if I, I had know. a Sandy. Not once shoot. has anyone ever said, <laughs> but if I had an L, boy, I could do this, this, and this, and this. They're there. I know. There. I thought of that, and I meant oh, to call man. you because I just started chuckling. And it fits appropriately that, and perfectly to this. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's, um, yeah, let's, that was, that was a fun tangent. And then there's this other tangent that I also want to cover okay. when we're discussing things today. And I don't know, hopefully you'll chat with some of our current clients pretty soon. Otherwise, if this is the first thing they see, like I can imagine maybe one of our people would 
watch this as soon as it's posted. So he may get to the information before you have a chance to call, but that's all right. So we fielded some email inquiries this past week from people outside of Michigan asking if we have the ability to get vinyl liners quickly and if we could do anything to assist them in getting a liner because they're saying like one in particular just across the border in Ohio said that their liner failed in the middle of May and they needed a new liner so they went to their local person and I'm not sure if they ordered from them or what the situation is exactly, but they're telling them now that they like can't get the liner and there's no promised date. So there's somebody in limbo saying, you know, there's gotta be a way to do this. And typically when we're building pools or if we're quoting liner replacements, like the liner replacements that I quoted in February, that we were able to get into queue and the manufacturers manufacture all year round typically so the early ones who said yes i'd like a liner normally i would say well from the time i approve the order to the time we get the liner it's about seven to ten days and it's arriving with us and then it's just a matter of scheduling to put it in so the liners that went in early this season that timeline happened and then the last liner that i tried to put in for construction and then a replacement something very very strange that I've never seen before happen and it is number one the order has been in for like a week or two and there is still no promised date of when they will be manufacturing it or delivering it or even designing it let alone and, right and the design times um, there's a new like a notice when you send the order in via email that comes back and it says due to extreme uh, work volume within 48 hours we hope to have responded or acknowledged that you sent this over and before you would have had a design to approve in that same time period but that is not happening anymore so across the industry as we started talking about today there's been heater shortages some manufacturers decided to like dedicate extreme amounts of resources to heaters so i know that jandy has been keeping their heater supply flowing. Pentair, on the other hand, they're experiencing some shortages in some markets and you just can't get them. So add, add the inability to produce with the demand backing up with the demand going through the roof and you have this perfect storm. And that is also happening with vinyl liners. But then add to it the fact that we have one supplier that we can go to for our heart our hybrid pool builds. One supplier with the correct system, system that works with the system that we've chosen to use on our pool. So what does that mean, Al, for our existing projects? Well, that, that means a couple things. Yeah. As we've certainly found out with one of the projects that we've been waiting for a liner for, for quite some time. I mean, that was measured and sent in six weeks ago yeah five weeks ago yeah and we still don't have problems for liner right um that doesn't bode well if if we were building normal and we could take a spec print and make sure that we squared the pool to match the spec the liner could be ordered the, the minute that the pool kit was ordered right in our case because 
every pool is so unique we have to order once the bottom of the pool is in yeah. and which means so here's what she was getting at with this those of you that might be in the process in the process is we have no promise yet yeah. of timing so while we're going to continue to finish the pool as much and all the parts that we can I, there's just no promise of when we're going to get liners yeah. And until this changes, and I can't see it happening overnight, but we have a couple projects now that are almost ready, ready, ready to uh, to uh, apply or to measure for the liner. I'm just not even sure when that's going. We're going to get yeah. that work done so we can get them in and get them measured. Well, but there's no problem. There's no promise as to when. This I mean, the email that I responded to the other day. Based on what I've seen, I said conservatively. If somebody asked me when could I get a liner, if we approved it on Monday, I would conservatively give it two months. So Monday is we're in the first week of July. So August, August September. September. So. This isn't going let's, to be let's it. hope that it doesn't take that long, mm -hmm. but prepare yourselves. And we're like continually trying to, even though we know this, like we're still mentally trying to prepare. Not sleeping as a result of it. Having yes. these conversations and having to communicate mm -hmm. that with you, lovely, amazing people that we have to give this news to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not going to be fun, but we came to that realization on uh, Friday night Friday. Yeah. that again we were at midnight is when we sat down to have this conversation yeah. and yeah. it went till 1 30 in the morning in terms of how do we handle this and, and here's why I'll tell you why we had made a promise to a customer to have water in their pool for the 4th of July and we were there with all of the components that we needed to to make sure that we were able to get water in the liner and I was up to the last few days prior to when we got the the confirmation that it wasn't going to happen i was convinced that even if i was going to be there on a thursday night till four in the morning yeah. to get this thing in that i was going to pull it off i was thinking even if we didn't get the liner until friday and we were I installing still, it on saturday the fourth of july we would, we would still, still be making it, it. Yep. as i was calling the supplier and every resource i had every day to say can I get some type of an update? Like whether the news is good or bad. You called every every possible every contact. Every favor of, I could. And, and who was it? It was people at the wholesaler. It was people that rep for that company. It was people that work internally for that company. Yeah. And and when that finally hit, and I we recognized that it this just gonna is not going to happen, I don't think we've ever missed, ever. Here's an interesting thing. I don't think I've ever missed that kind of a promise yeah ever in we, my in my 30 years no no and when that happened and it's not like the customer said we have to oh, have no. water like it was something that we love delighting people and we love being able to make, do stuff like that we make and a promise it wasn't an over like you were not over promising when you promised that no mm. it was realistic it, it, at the time it was it, i thought it was realistic i and the customer was amazing when i texted him saying i got some bad news this isn't going to happen and he was like out of our hands no worries she, you, whatever we're both going to cry over this right we now. are going to cry over this so we missed that deadline which i think that's what hit us both friday we do a friday night music thing here 
And I think by the end of that night, and it was around midnight, the musicians and everyone had left, and you, you well, made- Well, we were both very unsettled. All, all evening. You, yeah, yeah the, it wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't we right, it wasn't relaxed. normal. So it was midnight when we start this conversation in terms of how do we handle it, because yeah. we both take it very personally. And that's, that's weird as it sounds, it, that was the first true deadline that I had placed for myself that I've ever missed. You know, not little things didn't go like this done or that done, but that was that was a massive, this is a one year project that we've been working on. And that was a massive deadline for me. You fixed but that the, date in your the homeowner, mind. The homeowner, while they wanted it and they desired it, they, mm -hmm. they've been beautiful and amazing. It's not like they were pressuring me. They never once asked, so is it gonna be done? So is it gonna be done? So is it gonna be done? Yeah. But they knew that I had set that target, and by not accomplishing that, it it, it was tough, and it had, in this case, had nothing to do with me, I, in terms of what I knew about the history, because we gave it lots of time to get it ordered. We gave it lots of time to, you know, because this project's been under construction for a long time. So I, the first conceivable amount, the, the period of time, that we had to be able to put the liner in. I mean, yeah. to, to put the bottom of the pool in. Yeah. We did it immediately when the first opportunity came where it made sense to build the project to give us lots of time yeah. to make sure the liner was there. And I think we measured the liner immediately after yeah. the, the bottom was in to make sure we had this time. Nobody it didn't happen. did anything wrong. Nope. Everything was as it should be. And and the and the silly thing is is I cannot still promise this customer when that water's gonna go in that pool. Yeah. So that prompted this conversation if Er and I had to have that conversation at midnight that lasted until 1.30 in the morning probably was. Well, thinking about what we are building and if we should even commit to, to another project mm -hmm. for this season, which, which, you know, financially and to keep a company moving, you have to. And, not, and not having all the work for the six weeks that we sat on our butts. Yeah, and you can't just stop and, and wait on things. Mm -hmm. Like you're not making money when you're sitting and waiting on things. So. I think I think our 20 or 25% deficit in, in revenue that we would have generated through that period of time yeah. doesn't help things and all of that. So we're having this, this heartfelt kind of sad discussion. While we talked about all the amazingness it is that there's all these... There's yeah. all this potential for work and we can make up all the revenue by taking deposits on, on a bunch of different projects, right. but, we but won't. that won't, that doesn't serve us or doesn't serve the customer. So, so we're in a pool industry. We're in a luxury industry. People don't have to have, it's not essential to life as mm -hmm. according to somebody um, that we won't talk about, but this is us. We're in this industry. We want to keep it going. We lost revenue for the months that we were shut down. We're going to lose because timelines will, whatever formula for timelines we had to be productive and financially responsible are going to be out the window with supply chain or any other types of issues. And our demand is going through the roof, which is good because it means that we'll have more work to continue sustaining us. But ultimately this year, like really financially is not going to be no. anywhere near what we had hoped, but we still have demand. We still have clients. We still, the prices will, you know, the, what we're able to charge will continue to be able to go up. So that's us. And just think about the businesses 
that are not in, like we're in a great position moving forward given what we have. It's just getting through the now. But think about the companies that won't have the surge in demand, won't have the ability to increase their prices for whatever reason. Just this whole, this whole whirlwind storm is like, I was just hit with the devastation that like we're feeling to a small extent, but we're still thriving but we, but, by all the other measures. But we have hopes for our future. But That's think the about the ones that, that mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. because this perfect storm delivered, you know, a catastrophic blow to them. So mm-hmm. just a perspective. And we don't know on the manufacturing end of things, like why is the supply chain so backed up? Because I don't know the ins and outs of how they make their Mm -hmm. decisions and raw materials and all that other stuff. I mean, well, where does a lot of the vinyl come from? It likely comes from overseas. China, probably. And Mm -hmm. if that whole supply chain is Mm -hmm. thrown out of sync, just the the ongoing and lingering, I mean, are, are are they... Are they problems? Sure, and they're inconveniences, but like one minor inconvenience over here could have like a ripple effect on the supply chain and then the company installing it. And then on the company installing it, it trickles back out to the people that work with us and, you know, depend on us to have food and shelter and all that kind of stuff. So just this bundle of far reaching Mm -hmm. I think I think a good example last night I watched a video and it's not related to pools at all but it kind of goes to this the fragileness of the supply chain is they were talking about Idaho potato farmers and they focused on one particular potato farmer who they they produce 1.5 million pounds of potatoes or that's what they were gonna have to get rid of they produce more than that but as it turns out you can't take from a from a farming standpoint you can't take a, a potato that would first go to a processing plant which would then get approved for sale at a at a market and you know a supermarket you can't just take potatoes from the farm and bring them to the supermarket there's that step in between well so say half your potatoes are going there and then the other half are being cut up to make french fries make whatever and, and all the, they had all these examples of how processed potatoes could go versus just raw potatoes to the market. Mm-hmm. And they explained that, well, when they all the restaurants were shut down, re- restaurants accounted for about 55% oh. of the potato consumption. So now, while some are still flowing and there's this huge run on food in the market, but you can't increase that production. You just can't, it's too physically impossible. If they're already processing at capacity, you can't double the amount Mm -hmm. you give them Mm -hmm. and assume that they'll And think that that they can do something with it. And now you you can't process in the other way because there's no demand for it. So these potato farmers were, they they had to bury and dump 1.5 Uh, 1.5 million pounds this one farmer 1.5 million pounds of potatoes and he said she was he he said that she was as the potatoes were they were unloading them she's grabbing the best of the potatoes out of this massive this thing was as big as the pile is as big as this house and and she was taking the best of the best because then she was going out and I guess they gave like 75,000 pounds of potatoes away she set up a stand right in town 
and you could just come up and take bags take of potatoes because you felt better than doing nothing. Yeah. But he said, well, not only were we losing money in the potatoes, but now we have to get rid of now them. The no, he, he goes, do you know how much it costs us to rent the massive excavators, to dig the holes, and then the trucking to truck the potatoes and all of this? And he and, goes, that's still a lot of money that we're not land, collecting. Like, where do you even put them? Exactly. You put them in your farmland. So he, they build this, they dig this oh. massive pit. So this is stuff we don't even think about. We go, okay, so all right, there's not there's not enough demand for potatoes. Or but eggs, what happens? Or chickens. Absolutely. Or when lettuce. we hear, hear all that stories. So that's not a consumable thing. It, it's no different here. Yeah. It's just that that has a short life. Like right. potatoes have a six month lifespan. I, you know, I don't know. They most of the potatoes are are well, harvested shoot, in the fall, but are about how fast produce just mm -hmm. goes some goes bad tomatoes and, like. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. So that was just, you were, we were looking at that, that massive amount of how do you ever overcome that? Yeah. Well, ours is far better in that it's not consumable in that way, but it's as far reaching. Yeah. Because you stop the, you stop the world and then to start up again, you have all those pieces that used to run together don't. Because same people aren't working those jobs necessarily. You know, you think about if you lost your job and you went to try to find something else. Now, now they come back to work, and they've got to. It's like yeah. us trying to just get new people and, and most, start up. Most companies would function on a normal basis. Just capitalism would encourage you to be as streamlined as possible, as efficient, get the most amount of work done for the best price because that's how you're that's, profitable. Mm -hmm. So you stop that, and you're set up in a certain way and you can't just okay let's just Turn do twice as on. much or let's do the same amount with half half the resource like you can't well, it just well here make we sense. here we are and with the amount of amazingly good work we could be doing we could five times six times seven times the size of our company tomorrow yeah if it was possible now it makes no sense to. Our people need sleep. Uh, yeah, we and, and it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Can't. Instead, I t I'm tending to step back a little bit instead of push forward more, more, more. It's like how can we do with less, less, even though the demand is there, because of all the other uncertainties. Yeah. And that will all fix itself at some point, maybe, hopefully. But until it does, I don't. I don't ever want to feel like I felt on Friday, ever again. Yeah. As as much as as much as I did nothing wrong yeah. myself, I did nothing wrong, but I don't ever want to feel that way ever again. Well, think about too, just an example of how, when you turn things off, it turns off really fast, but you can't turn it back on the same way. Picture an above ground inflatable pool. We've all seen them. Picture it full of water. So the economy shutting down, it's like somebody took a knife and slash the side instantly it's gone or maybe kind of like the dam failure up there in michigan like instantly bam 21 billion gallons of water gone it's gone okay repair that get it ready to hold water again you cannot put that same amount of water back in there as and fast it, as you took nope. it out you it's going to take you a long time to get that time. filled back up mm -hmm. so yeah, things can change in an instant, and then you won't be able to put it back together. I think it'll be quite a while mm -hmm. before it all goes back together. In the meantime, 
we are going to continue being us because that is all I know how to do. Some nuances of it will change perhaps depending on the situation. We are working through how to handle the volume of calls that we're getting in a great way. I don't know what all the solutions are. I do know that if we're going to have a pool company next year, which I plan on, you plan on, we will be building a handful of pools. We have gotten 10 times the amount of inquiries than work we could handle. So a lot of really cool people. Of good work we could of, handle, not just most, inquiries, but great people of, and great. So if we did a vision board 10 years ago and we said, what would be the epitome of what we could build and the clients we could build for? Like we are getting that to the nth degree calling us right now. So like everything we could have ever wished for in terms of people to be able to work with projects to be able to do, like it's all arriving right now. And we're going to be able to pick a handful and I'm going to take very personally, you know, every, everything. I love that, you, Mrs. Jones. However, everything I've worked for, like my whole focus on, on how we communicate to the world, who we are, like everything that I've worked for to attract what we need to be able to do what we do, it's all happening. And then I'm going to have to figure out a nice, delicate way of saying like, you're awesome just sorry we yeah just it's a no we can't because i'm gonna have to choose like the most awesome to start the process with um and then the rest of our our company is gonna have to choose as well and i am so not looking forward to that and we've had we had somebody that we met two years ago and they were willing to wait for a design and for us to be able to build and we hadn't heard from them in a while and kind of figured that they had found somebody else and they called back and they're still waiting and still willing to wait. And we had to say that just based on what they need and the distance they are from us, it's not likely feasible for us to be able to build with them. And like that, that made me really sad because they're awesome and I would totally love just to get to know them better and hang out with them and, uh, you know, let alone work with them and build them a pool. That would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. And in our current circumstances, it's just, it's not going Doesn't to be make possible. Any sense. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to figuring out the who's, what's, when's, where, and why's of it all. So, yeah. So talk about like the opportunity for growth. And um, like the most amazing. We thought the opportunity and growth would be business growth, but it turns out it's personal growth. It's personal growth. <laughs> it's it's yeah. nothing to do with the business growth. Yeah. It's all, it's literally us yeah. having to grow personally again. So everything we ever could have asked for, here it is. And. With, with some caveats yeah. that we didn't, we yeah. didn't design into what we with asked for, but, but it, it came with it. That yes, we it did. didn't, we didn't realize that we'd have to deal with. And here we are. Mm -hmm. So on that note, um, hopefully you found this entertaining or educational <laughs> or or really sad and pathetic uh, I don't know which yeah like, I, maybe it'll encourage some thoughts in you or um, maybe you're in tears now too hard to say but anyway thanks for listening and and tolerating 
and some, in some respects. And we'll see you again soon because I think we're going to have more to talk about, not less. Always us. Yeah. Cool. You want to hit the button again? Sure. Thanks.